You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 102 of the Comic Book Informer Podcast. Yes, we've returned to our original numbering after our fabulous relaunch. What's up, Raj? How much? Hey, you know what? I'm actually I'm caught up on all the superhero movies now. The new Spider-Man and the new Batman came out not that long ago. Finally watched them both. Completely caught up now. Okay, brief thoughts. <sighs> I was not crazy about the Spider-Man. We'll start with Thank that you. one. Thank um, you. I've reached the point where I'm just, I've just started agreeing with people when they say they liked Spider-Man. I was like, yeah, sure, it's not worth the argument. Oh no, <laughs> There's it, so many people who love that movie. No, the only thing that I liked was Martin Sheen and uh, Sally Field as mm-hmm. Ben and Aunt May. Although, you know, in my mind, Aunt May is always going to be Jessica Tandy, but that boat has sailed. True. Um, but, uh, but anyways, no, I didn't like the kid who played Spider-Man. He was too cocky for Peter Parker mm-hmm. still. And I didn't like that. Like, I mean, say what you will about Tobey Maguire. He made a good Peter Parker. He just made a terrible Spider-Man. And uh, I was telling him, a buddy of mine, I was saying, you know what they need to do? They need to bring Tobey back. But then what they need to do is put some other kid in the Spider-Man costume and use Neil Patrick Harris's voice. That's what they need to do. Because that's Spider-Man. You don't yeah, agree? I, 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 yeah, yes. they. Yeah, like I said, I've I've had this discussion any number of times over the last several months. It's just, they, it wasn't Spider Man to me. Like it wasn't Peter Parker, and it wasn't Spider Man. No, and and I wasn't crazy about the the story as a whole either. I really, I wasn't digging it. I it, I, it was it relied a lot on coincidences and like convenience and like oh yeah this just so happens to be related to this other really important thing that oh yeah by the way your parents were involved with too like come on yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it another shot, just to see if I'm not quite as jaded the second time around, and then go from there. And speaking of jaded, <laughs> the Batman one, <laughs> talk about being loosey goosey with a cannon. <laughs> like, apparently, didn't matter. We'll just pick names from the cannon and then do whatever the hell we want with it because you don't have to actually follow the storylines. And uh, I mean, there were a few things that I liked about it, but overall, especially when compared to one and two that I really liked a lot. This was like, again, I'll give it another shot to give it a, you know, a worthwhile shot and not be jaded about it. But there were too many points where I was like, come on. Like when Alfred gives up on Bruce, I'm like, come (laughs) on, never, never, ever happen. Case closed. You screwed up. And it's not because I don't like, uh, what's his name? Um, Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Yeah. I mean, you can't get any better. Oh, he, he was great. <laughs> he was phenomenal. But the material he was working with, it was like, oh, I hated that he gave up on him. Um, Morgan Freeman was great. Lucius Fox is such a great character. But again, uh, but then like I liked the um, the voice acting for, for Bane. Obviously, that was incredible. But the character as a whole, meh. And then and Talia's plaything, not digging that. Whole League of Shadows thing. Still not digging that. Didn't really. So there was too much. And then, and then there's the, the, the concept problems. I need to get me two of those freaking leg things that he had. <laughs> I mean, you snap, you slap that sucker on and you're kicking through brick. I need to get me two. Of those. Although again, and this was brought up in another podcast. It was like after, 
after he was tossed in the pit, he didn't have that anymore. And yet he's no longer walking with a, apparently it's a one-time use and then you're good to go. So see, <laughs> it, it was a very well-made movie. You know, the, the acting was pretty universally good. The directing, the, the shots, the action, it just, the story was a bit incomprehensible at points and it, it didn't even line up with its own continuity. But I, I was able to, to kind of not worry about that. Cause like I said, it was a very well-made movie, but uh, there was I, too many things. There was just too many. And then, of course, why does Robin have to be named Robin? Oh, your real yeah. name is Robin. Yeah, he, he couldn't up. say Dick Grayson. Come on. Come on. <laughs> really? And we didn't see this coming a mile away, let alone, mm-hmm. oh, this dude ain't an acrobat anymore. He's a freaking cop. Okay, fine, whatever. You know, it's Tommy from Third Rock, so he can do whatever. I like him. But uh, but yeah, for it to be like, oh, your real name is Robin? Oh, no. 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 <laughs> Come on. <laughs> But I mean, aside from that, like my main issue with the movie was by this point, it was kind of obvious Christopher Nolan was tired of making oh, Batman yeah, movies. Yeah. I mean, Batman is barely in the, his own movie. Yeah, <laughs> and like, just the entire concept and aesthetic of the Nolanized Batman. I'm over it by this point. I want my Batman to be friggin' Batman, <laughs> like not, you yeah. know. Yeah, this. and it's it's and it was from beginning to end. You knew, okay, either he's getting killed off at the end, or that happy ending, which you could see coming a mile away, kind of thing. And in fact, that's of course what it was. Um, but you could tell, like this is that he's doing it. I didn't think he was doing justice to the character. He thought he thought he was by giving his own spin on a story of Batman, not a story of the Batman. True. So, and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But anyway, so there you go. Uh, I'm just glad at this point now he can go back to making other fantastic movies. Yeah, really. Give us another <laughs> Memento-esque kind of movie. I'm all for I, that. I, I have absolutely loved every non-Batman movie he's made. So, <laughs> all right then. So, moving away from uh, that impromptu discussion, the actual comics we're talking about today are uh, kind of catching up on Uncanny X-Force, as anybody knows, one of our favorite comics. And, God, this storyline has been going on forever. <laughs> This is a 10-part storyline. Uh, the, the, the opening bits were the formation of the new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants and the, them kidnapping Genesis and attacking the X-Force. And then you had the interlude of X-Force in the future, which I think you discussed with Sarah while I was out, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we and, oh man, I loved that. Yes, oh, it was that definitely was with Sarah, yeah. Absolutely amazing. Oh, it was just so good. And and again, it's one of those things where he's done such a good job with not just the future, but the, when they also went to the alternate dimension to get that Kirk kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of things done, um, whether it be different dimensions or time zones, and Reminder really handles that very, very well. Yeah. So here we are with issues 30 through 34, which are parts 6 through 10 of the final execution storyline. Like, Remender doesn't you know, like these short little yeah, nothing small. Pap- trade paperback <laughs> friendly stories. I mean, Dark Angel was like 10 parts too, wasn't it? Uh, I can't remember, but it was long, yes. So here we are with uh, final execution. Uh, the X-Force is finally back from... I don't know if you would call it a dark future because technically they kind of won, but they're let's just say dystopian future and have come back to set right all the wrongs that have happened uh, on their watch where we have the new brotherhood of evil mutants, uh, which is basically Dokken, Wolverine's son, Sabretooth, Mystique, the shadow King, the skinless man who is 
a fantastic yes. creation. And the Age of Apocalypse version of the Blob and the Omega family, you know, clones of Omega Red who have had their memories altered to believe that X-Force are these terrible villains that killed their family. And as we said, they kidnapped Genesis, who was Phantom X's clone of Apocalypse. And this is where the entire storyline kind of makes its whole point of that Remeter's been trying to make ever since issue one of Uncanny X-Force of the whole concept of nature versus nurture. I mean, are people just outright bad or can they, you know, grow and become something better And taking one of the most evil creatures of all time in Apocalypse and raising him right and seeing if you can actually create something different out of it. And we finally, all that finally comes to a head here and it, and on one hand, it works out great for Evan, but on the other hand, as we'll discuss later, it, it kind of gets a little weird when we're talking about Wolverine. A little? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more than just a little. I, I, it's one of those things, too, where it's especially if you have been following this since the beginning, you're really going to appreciate this a hell of a lot more, which isn't to say you can't just jump into it. You can. Uh, they do a good job of explaining it and whatnot. But man, if you've been following this since the beginning, and, and I don't mean following it since the beginning just in terms of, oh, I picked up all the back issues and I'm, I'm all caught up. I've been reading it. I'm good to go. No, no. I mean, if you've been reading it now for as long as we have, as many months as we have, longer than that now. And going back and reading it again. Yeah. Like you've been reading, like this is a long time coming now. And so you're finally getting this climactic ending to this storyline. And it's, again, it's built up for so many months that it's like, yay. And so it's been a lot of fun because of that. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning here, we just see Dokken and Sabretooth trying to break Genesis because they want to see him turn bad. Dokken especially wants wants Evan to become the bad guy because, you know, as he sees it, you know, he's he's actually kind of jealous of Evan and all the other strays Wolverine has picked up over the years. Like, you know, he gave them all these great lives, gave them an education, gave them a home, whereas Dokken, his own natural born son, received none of that. But he's an asshole. Well, yeah, <laughs> there's a reason why. So, you know, they take him on this fun little road trip where they're just going around, you know, senselessly slaughtering people, you know, telling him, you know, you have to kill us to stop it. And, you know, he again, he was essentially raised to be Superman, so he doesn't believe in killing. And when they get to the point where they get to, you know, the imaginary farm that he was raised on and he just finally breaks loose and starts going all apocalypse on them, it was, you know, it was really well done because, of course, it was all you know a, a plot. They can't fake kill his fake parents, but it was very well done. And you just you see, you know that that young psyche just fracturing right there on the page. Well, the thing too is that if you have been reading this character now as well in Wolvie and his Peeps, you've really been privy to a lot more about mm-hmm. the character of Genesis. So you've been reading about all the doubts that he has about himself. You've been reading about um, the fears that he has of becoming this, you know, the apocalypse and things like that, especially those moments when he's shared with um, the mind-wiped angel. So this story here crossed over into that series really well. And so, again, being such a huge fan of that series, we got to be privy to a lot more about the character, which I think bore a lot more weight than on this series. 
like you could really appreciate a lot more the the anguish that the character is going through because you've seen him going through the turmoil of worrying about it in this other series. Yeah, and we even got a glimpse of a possible future where he does become Apocalypse and ends up killing, you know, ID and Quentin and Brew. Well, I guess not well, who knows about Brew. But anyway. Poor Brew, poor Brew. I want Brew back. Damn you, Aaron. Hey, freaking if Carl can come back after getting shot in the eye, Brew should be able to come back from this. <laughs> but with all this, you know, Evan is very unsure you know he doesn't really know he's not he doesn't know who the good guys are you know he was raised at what he thought to be good but find out that's all a lie you know his beloved uncle cluster phantom x you know lied to him about everything even his own you know origin wolverine has been lying to him the whole time even though he acts like a nice person and then coming to find out you know he's just as much of a murderer as dokken and Sabretooth are so evan Really has no you, – you can definitely see how partway through the story it could easily go either way. And I loved that Reminder didn't give us a hint of, oh, he's going to stay good or he's going to go bad. You could definitely see the story going either way at various points throughout. Well, that's the thing too. And Reminder, Reminder doesn't sugarcoat either what – x-force is throughout all of, mm-hmm. all of this they are a murdering team okay you can sugarcoat it by saying they do what has to be done but the truth is that's what they are so here's this character that has never really been given a, a real opportunity to see what is right what is wrong by virtue of example from parents except for the fake ones and so when he's looking at these two teams, one being supposedly good, one being evil, and yet they're both doing the same thing, screwing people up or killing them, you can really feel for this very confused young boy. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, Reminder's sense of pacing with his stories oh, is Jesus. downright infuriating because every <laughs> single issue ends at a point where you're like, no, that can't possibly be the last page. I hate you. Uh, I think it was issue 31, maybe 32. Once X-Force finally pops back into the picture. And again, they have the whole same discussion they had back in issue four. I think it was when they first killed the original kid apocalypse of, you know, should they actually kill him? You know, and is it right to kill a kid? And, you know, Betsy uh, Psylocke is like, you know, it, we're, we're done with the whole killing thing. She's seen where that solution gets her in the other future. Wolverine's like, no, if we got to kill him, we got to kill him. But then she turns it around of, well, what about Doc? And are we going to kill him? <laughs> oh, hell no. We're not going to kill him. <laughs> so throughout all this mess, Deadpool just up and leaves. And at the end, there he is standing behind Evan with his sword and his gun going, you know, I couldn't do it the first time, but I'm going to do it now. And I was like, ah. But then only to find out he's not talking about being able to pull the trigger but he wasn't able to save the kid the first time and he really goes out of his way to try to save evan here and the whole issue and a half or however long it was of you know deadpool pretty much on his own you know trying to help evan and going up against the (laughs) entire brotherhood that was some of the best deadpool writing we've seen and again it's from remender here yep yep oh yeah no the the stuff with deadpool he owned Every scene that he was in during that time, he was fantastic. So again, it, we we rag, especially me, on Deadpool so much, especially the new series. And yet you can tell when the character is well-written, he can be intelligent, can still be funny and humorous without it being stupid <laughs> slapstick. And, and, and I mean, this works. The character just is phenomenal in here. 
Yeah, because he doesn't try to portray Deadpool as a hero. He flat out says, you know, I've killed more people than I can count in my lifetime. I've even enjoyed it. But something about when they killed Kid Apocalypse really affected him and you know, it has changed him. And I love that you, you said you can still have the comedy in there. You go, go one step further and do the one of the things that makes Deadpool unique of, you know, his willingness to essentially uh, at, at times break the fourth wall and, you know, tell little in jokes where he even flat out says in his caption, I'm going to show Phantom X. He's not the only one with a fully developed character yeah. arc. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So Deadpool was absolutely fantastic in the storyline. And then you have our buddy Kurt, you know, everybody oh, was dude. so happy when Reminder left Nightcrawler uh, on X-Force from when they ventured into the Age of Apocalypse because you know, we all miss Nightcrawler. We loved him. He, you know, he's always been one of my favorite X-Men characters and the bastards killed him off. So this was our chance. Oh, Nightcrawler's back with Wolverine, their best buds. But at no point did Reminder allow us to believe that this was you know, Nightcrawler. He always went out of his way to remind us that this is not your friendly neighborhood Kurt Wagner. This is a hardcore, you know, killer Nightcrawler. And we see the lengths he's willing to go to here when he finally meets up with Mystique. And Mystique? No, no, freaking blobbed. <laughs> oh, no, no, we're, we're getting oh the blob. But when he first meets up with Mystique and there's all this drama there because in the age of apocalypse mystique was a very good person and that's how kurt remembers her but here obviously she's this manipulative traitorous villain but she always wanted to have a relationship with kurt and that's something that's been true for years this isn't something that you know they just made up she's always run a relationship with kurt and kurt never had anything to do with her so they reach the the deal that mystique will give him blob if he betrays the X-Force. And then again, they ended the issue right there again with him betraying X-Force. But the way he took out Blob, kill of the year, plain and simple. I, you know, I, 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 <laughs> it was so bloody awesome. I read it like three times in a row. Those two pages, I was like, <laughs> oh my God, read it again. Oh my God, it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, again, on a team with, you know, Wolverine and Deadpool and, you know, all these mercenaries and assassins, Friggin' Nightcrawler is the most vicious of the bunch, and it works so well because it's such a twist from what we've had for decades. You know what? This is this boils right back down to what I've said time and time and time again. We're in um, the writers can't be lazy. The writers really have to go out of their way to prove that they can effectuate permanent change in comic books, so long as, of course, the editors are, will allow it. But permanent change that will kill off characters that we really care about but they have to be so dedicated to their craft and good at their writing that they can bring other people in and make them so engaging that they can replace those you know that they're strong enough to replace those characters in those comics when you're looking at kurt yes there's the um the fanboy in us that's like excited to see it, but it doesn't take long as you're reading it like you said to realize this is not kurt this is another character plain and simple there's going to be ties and continuity things for sure but this is not kurt that we know and he proves that but again he writes him so bloody well throughout every panel he's in that you care so much for this character at points you're rooting for him at points you want to schmuck him but it works and it's because of the strength of the writing mm -hmm. so now we're moving into the end game and we have the big one of the big questions for me in in this storyline of 
Dawkins' solution and explanation of how you can kill Wolverine. Now, of course, Wolverine being Wolverine, he's pretty much impossible to kill. But he ventures that you can kill Wolverine by drowning him. You cut off the oxygen to his brain long enough, and even if his healing factor kicks in, I guess he'll still essentially be brain dead. What did you think of that? I, it doesn't work with what we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. I, mean, there's, I mean, he's flat out had his brain annihilated. Yeah. So, I mean, I again, this is one of those things where and we talked about that before too and it was in some of the wolverine but i don't know if it remained in the canon where you know he can't flat out die anymore or he couldn't come through because if you look at some older issues of the wolverine it's, i mean he was it varies from writer to writer exactly honestly. he was incinerated and came back okay so like all that was left and this happened also in in civil war as well i mean all that was left was the adamantium laced skeleton everything else was vaporized and he came back. So drowning him, I, I don't buy that. I mean, I that was actually don't. interesting. Um, back in Wolverine Origins, uh, and, you know, I rag on Danny Way, but one of the better storylines he did was really the reintroduction of Deadpool after years of being gone when somebody, I think it was Romulus or whoever it was, hired Deadpool to kill Wolverine. And he had a similar solution of just drown him. But he, even then, he, was, he never said that would kill him. Basically, he just set it up as a, a death trap that Wolverine wouldn't be able to get out of in a warehouse that he had rented out for the, like the next 10 years. So Wolverine would be stuck under the water, never being able to do anything because his body's constantly fighting off the drowning and just stuck there. And I thought that was a that more creative sense. way of using a similar setup. Yeah, that makes sense. And again, that's from Danny Way and Wolverine Origins, and we've had nothing good to say about that comic. And yet here we are, something that we've had very little bad to say out of, and this one it didn't really work for me. No, it, it didn't at all. It, and of course, the then fight with Docking is the same kind of thing. I mean, really? This is how easy it is to, like, all you need is a puddle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a, maybe a big glass of milk will do it. Like, and that's all and you all need. All these supervillains have been doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, really. So it didn't, that didn't work for me, no. And, and that, and then that was like the breaking point where, you know, Evan was convinced Wolverine was going to die. And that's what finally got him to, to snap and, you know, put on the apocalypse armor. And he still never turned evil though that that was an important bit he 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 took the power was willing to do what needed to be done but he never went full apocalypse and i don't know if that's because the shadow king wasn't around to influence him any longer or you know he just finally realized that no that wasn't the way to go i don't i don't know honestly i i don't know because I, I think if Deadpool hadn't been there to kill the skinless man, Evan probably would have after what he did. I don't think so. I actually don't think so. Because maybe I mean, not intentionally, but lashed out enough to kill him, probably. I don't know. I don't know. See, when I was reading yeah, we, it. We don't know. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. But maybe in terms of all the setup until then, he had stuck to his gun so much throughout it all that I'm willing to believe that he would have at the end even. So, but it's, it's of course open to interpretation. Yeah. And that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. And then we have that last little bit with, where you said with Wolverine is finally killing Dokken by drowning him in the puddle and you get the stuff of, you know, Wolverine struggling with what he's doing interspersed with the scenes of, you know, the perfect life they could have lived. And at first I was like, okay, maybe this is just Dokken, you know, his dying thoughts are, you know, dreaming of the life he could have had. But at the end, we see Wolverine himself having the same dream. And I was like, 
a- again, it didn't quite work for me. It, probably because I just hate Dokken. <laughs> yeah, see, this is one of those, like, I hated Dokken less in this than I have in other series. So that's yes. saying a hell of a <laughs> lot for Remender. Remender. Saying a hell of a lot because he's just not a character that I like. And the dynamics between him and Wolverine have never been anything that really, I mean, I don't know. I It's... He's just a whiny little brat. Yeah, it just doesn't work for me. That it's much. not so, Wolverine's fault that he didn't know you were born. Yeah. <laughs> Get over it. And then of course too, like the 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 the, the crap with like just how many people does he have to kill before Logan finally realizes that he's the one that's gotta pull the plug on him or do something. Like, I mean, this has been a long time coming. So but it, it's the same kind of thing where like I mean, freaking Deadpool pulled Wolverine out of the the, the 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 water thing and the mouth to mouth killed me <laughs> and brought him back so this is just going back to what we were saying too it's essentially like they made it seem like he'd be killed but he wouldn't he's just kind of in this status unknown um but then it's the same kind of thing well like what happens when the water evaporates from Duncan's lungs or when when he's drained he's just gonna come back again a puddle is not gonna do it mm-hmm but then, it, of course, at the end, fi- we find out that this entire plot, this whole machination was just Sabretooth again getting one up on Wolverine. Because as we've seen, Sabretooth throughout the years has always taken joy of just destroying Wolverine on a psychological level. You know, killing everything he's loved, ruining everything that's been good for him. And I did like that here that Sabretooth has finally done something to Wolverine even worse than everything he's done in the past by setting essentially setting him up to kill his own son. Yeah, it was interesting. But then again, here's another character that I've never been, you know, overly thrilled with. He's he's far too two dimensional. And so like this was something that's like, ah, you could see it coming. And it it, it all boils down to for me <laughs> once again. Well, yeah, we we saw this coming because, you know, upon you know, even on the first reading, you're like, something's weird here with Sabretooth. Like he he you know, he was getting way too chummy with Dokken, you know, trying to pretend to be the father figure to him. And you could see that Sabretooth definitely had something going on this whole time and, of course, leading up to that. Yeah. So it was just one of those where, again, I, it, was, it boils down to me thinking just how much does someone have to do before you just take him out. When he took his head and he had his head for a while, that was paradise. That was rich. That's what you need to do. I mean, it's a dog. It needs to be put down. Come on. Do it. So everything ends and there's one issue left, at least under Reminder, before, you know, the whole Marvel Now thing. And it leaves a lot of questions as to what's next. You know, what's next for Wolverine now that he's broken? You know, what's next for Deadpool now now that everything he's gone through? Or even Psylocke, you know, at the end, she left her sword behind. But we know she's still running X-Force in the relaunch and all the stuff she's been through with Angel and the Shadow King and Phantom X. And then even Nightcrawler, he's still out there somewhere. So there's a lot of questions that... I'm sure not all of them are going to be answered in the final issue. And I'm really interested to see not just what Reminder, but he's set up a number of characters in interesting places for other writers to pick them up. Yeah. Yeah. Who's taking over this one again? Oh, goodness. Uh, You were hoping I wasn't going to ask, right? Yeah. I don't have that (laughs) readily available. (laughs) All righty then. But no, it's, it's exactly like you said. It reminds me very much of Hickman with Fantastic Four. He's left so much here that can be played with that uh, that whoever's taking this over should have a lot of fun with it. But again, wrapping, I'm I'm thinking he's going to do a pretty good job wrapping it up. I, I can't see that, like he'll leave some loose ends, but 
based on what we've already seen so far, I can see him wrapping it up fairly well next year. I, dude, I can't wait. I just can't wait to read it. It's uh, Sam Humphreys. Okay. Who's uh, really one of Marvel's newer writers coming on board. Yeah. Uh, the, he's been... Um, he's the one that's picked up uh, Ultimates, I think it is. So. Okay. And he, he's done some good work with her. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah, and, and like we've seen... Like we were talking about earlier, what Jason Aaron picked up with Angel and Genesis over in Wolverine and the X-Men. So it, it, it definitely bodes well that you know, Reminder has done such a good job of writing these characters to a point and leaving them at a point where they can be further developed. Because we see so many writers of, you know, when, when they finished their time on a project, there's really nowhere to go with that character after that other than completely changing everything that's come before. And that's one thing that I've appreciated here with the, the X-Force run of these characters aren't done. You know, he, he's put his mark on them, but he hasn't, you know, written them off. Well, the thing too, is that the, like, I mean, when you're reading a lot of comic books, the, um, there's different story arcs where you can look at what the characters go through and they justifiably are going through a hell of a lot kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And so it kind of changes them in a little bit, but then through a lot of it, then a lot of series still, you read them and the characters still pretty much remain true to who they have always been kind of thing. But when you're reading this, they've gone through hell and back here. This is (laughs) like this changes people in a very very profound way that what they've gone through and you can see that in the writing that they're not the same people i mean you see it especially in betsy as well throughout like much of the latter part of the run but especially even in here and so like the characters are changed in a profound way so when you're looking at this cover for next month and you're seeing the people that are going to be in this final issue and you've got kurt well hell kurt alone has gone through a hell of a a change going from the other dimension going on this mad frenzy hunt but also the relationship with his mother i mean especially when you're seeing what happens at the end there um so he has changed quite a bit so if he sticks around he will have changed from who he started off as. Still a very interesting character. And then you've got Angel in this picture as well. Well, none of them have changed more than Angel. So I'm really curious because of who Angel has become now. There's this possible po- positive light force, this this really angelic character, but you're going to pull him on a killing team? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm curious what that's all about. So there's a lot here that can happen with the characters that I'm curious to see. Yeah, and Reminder is not done by any stretch. Uh, as we've seen, he's still got a lot of plot threads that he left out there he wasn't able to tie up before the relaunch. Uh, we've seen all the stuff going on with uh, the Deathlocks that we saw God, was back like issue 18 or whatever. That he's been working on over in uh, Secret Avengers. And, and somebody even asked him, you know, what's up with the Apocalypse clan? Because, you know, they're still out there. Pestilence is, you know pregnant with uh, apocalypse's child or was it no it was angels archangel's child and he he flat out said oh that'll be popping up in an uncanny avengers so he he's even going to be picking up where he left off but it's going to be cool seeing okay how are you going to do an apocalypse storyline with captain america and havoc now so there's new dimensions that are being added into all this still I love that he's got as much sway at Marvel right now <laughs> to be affecting canon in such a serious and profound way and that he'll be able to continue doing that in one of the important new series. Well, hey, you take a concept as tired and overdone as X-Force and characters that to this point had been pretty one-dimensional and 
end up with this, you can write whatever you want in my book. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. So moving on to what we're reading, I'm actually going to let you lead off because you've been saying wow. you have like piles and piles of stuff you want to talk about. I, I actually have. <laughs> No kidding, dude. <laughs> I've been calling a little <laughs> ballistic here. Um, let's touch on ever so briefly the, uh, of course, the new wave of the uh, Marvel Now. And uh, did you read uh, All New X-Men number two? Oh, that, even though it was basically an entire issue of nothing but people sitting around talking, it was great people sitting around talking. <laughs> yep. It's, again, I we were talking about what it was going to be like for the, the relationship that like beast is having with the older team kind of thing or the younger team, I should say. And, um, back in the past and, and how he's going to convince them to come along with them and things like that. And, and I love the, the, the moments where he's talking with Scott, there's not a ton of them, but it's like, Scott really has to wrap his head around the fact that he is responsible for so much. And when he tells them that he killed Professor X, it was like, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, and um, and again, the art in here, like th there's one shot of Beast where he's looking over his shoulder and talking to them. And it's like, oh, my God, it was just brilliant. But By far, the best panel was when uh, Gene puts Wolverine to sleep. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> so then, and we see when the young team then shows up and all of a sudden they're seeing themselves in some cases or whatever, when when Logan can smell them and comes running over to kill him. That was, that was brilliant as well. The, the old, he knows by now you smell Gene. Something yeah. is up <laughs> Gene or, or even Scott, yeah. um, because they never really clearly define if he's jumping after Scott or Gene. Cause it's both of them are there. Yeah. The only thing that I didn't like in here was when they talked to him about it before this came out, he was saying how, um, one of the big things here would be how Jean just all of a sudden gets all of her abilities and the t telepathy and everything else, uh, telepathy and, um, and how it was going to be such a, a change for her and, and things like that. And I think that that was really downplayed. It's mentioned a few times, mm -hmm. but it's not the brain shock that we thought it was going to be, which I think it should have been. I mean, yeah. all of a sudden you can read everybody's brains and figure out everything like that. I think there should be some like really breaking down moments there on your knees going, what the hell's going on? And there because was none as of I understand it, at least in the canon was Xavier had put psychic blocks in her head Yes, yes. because she was going insane from, from being able to read everybody's mind. So obviously Xavier's not around. The psychic blocks are gone. Yeah. It, it should have been much more jarring. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, Oh guys, if you are not reading this series, it is like a read it now kind of, I, I just absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. um a plus x number two <laughs> you bothered i did i did um it actually wasn't as bad as the first one i actually enjoyed some parts of it with black widow and rogue i thought that was kind of cool um the gratuitous kiss between the two of them so she passes on her sniper abilities <laughs> was, really oh dude, you got to read it though it actually no, I, you can't make me it was actually it i read thor for you <laughs> All right. Voluntarily. <laughs> and journey into mystery. Deadpool, all these for you. Shut up. Um, but what I loved, it's uh, Chris Pacello who did the art yeah. for Wolvie and his peeps. Mm -hmm. Oh, dude, I love his art. I yeah. absolutely adore it. So this was actually, it was fun. I actually enjoyed this. I didn't like the um, 
the uh, Kitty and Stark story as much, but even that one was all right. It, it just it was cute the relationship between the two of those kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that was all right. Uh, moving along. Okay, I'm gonna be taking out pauses here. As oh, two number thirty, dude. <sighs> Are dude. we spoiling this week or next week? I'll spoil it now. <laughs> yeah, dude. I was I. <laughs> You know, you know, this is like when all the angry people were emailing uh, Kirkman after he shot Carl. <laughs> How dare you? This, this was is, like this was worse. I was like this close to <laughs> to emailing him saying, "How dare you kill off Antonelle?" It was like, "How dare you, you Not just bastard. kill her off the way?" Oh yeah, because she knew it was coming and went along with it. Oh, oh my god, layman, you bastard! Oh, you are a bastard! But but it goes back to what we've said all along: how don't be afraid to kill off your characters. So I can't fault him too much. But I mean, talk it's, about it's going so, out we were in expecting style. A nice fancy wedding issue. Too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was not. I knew something was going to happen. But like she goes out like a, like just, just you're messing with the wrong person. The shot of her tied up to the chair, no legs and one arm missing. And she just looks like that all you got. <laughs> I, I've seen worse. <laughs> just a flesh wound. <laughs> really? So the issue as a whole was fantastic. I mean, you really are upset by the end but talk about well written well done and when they're doing the flashbacks and when the agent finally realizes where he knows her from initially <laughs> and everything like the whole thing was I, I mean, it was brilliantly written it just really pissed me off that he killed her off but that just shows how much yeah, how a good, good a job he did with the character so yes we'll leave it at that Okay, so since uh, those were the two things I also had on my list, uh, just quickly, the other thing I wanted to mention was Minimum Carnage, uh, which was oh, the uh, latest Carnage event. It's uh, It was a crossover between Venom and Scarlet Spider, and there, I thought it was cool, like, the last two Carnage stories were based around Spider-Man. Let's see how the other Spider-related characters deal with the villain, especially Venom, there's a lot of connection there. And there was a lot of cool stuff there with the Venom-Carnage relationship, of course, but also, even Flash flat out said, you You've got a second-rate Spider-Man and a knockoff Venom going up against, you know, one of Spider-Man's most dangerous villains. There was a lot of cool stuff there that could have happened. But the whole idea with minimum Carnage was Carnage actually ended up uh, escaping into the microverse. And, of course, Venom and Scarlet Spider followed him there. And that's where it really lost the story for me, because at that point, it stopped being a Carnage, Venom, Scarlet Spider story. It became a Micronauts story, co-starring those other guys. And I know as much about the Micronauts as I know about mechanical or you know, aircraft engineering, which is I know a plane can fly, but I don't know how <laughs> how the engines work. So it it was just a whole bunch of characters. I had no idea who they were. I had no interest in them. Interjected into a story that I thought could have been a lot better on its own. And I really wanted it to because the last two Carnage stories really surprised me with how good they were. And I was just kind of disappointed that, I mean, I, I guess, you know, they were really trying to bring these characters back. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a Micronauts miniseries popping up out of this, you know, within the next year. But I, I, I wanted a Carnage story and I didn't get one. I, see, this is Joe said, read this. It's awesome. And I read it. And I thought, it's not awesome. <laughs> so, 
I said the the uh, the Carnage miniseries and then the Carnage USA. I both really enjoyed. Like I wasn't expecting to like them, and I ended up really liking them. So I went into this one expecting to like it, and there you go. Yeah, I did. If you only did. had one, can I do another one then? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you may. <laughs> did you read FF number one? Actually, no, I did not. Okay. I won't spoil it then. Read it. And, really? And consider what I said before about the not being looking forward to this at all. It was actually good. It was. It's not good enough that I'm going to read the series. Well, I might read in once in a while. We'll see. Um, but it was very well written. It, and there were some scenes that were like, ooh, that was that was really good. Um, again, I really am not a fan of Allred's art. I have said he has that a very unique style. And uh, I'll, I'll like give him it. that, but it's it's yeah. not something that really lends itself to a lot of the comics I no. like to read. There were some there were some there were some panels where it was like, damn, that is awesome. That was really well done. But on the majority, it was like no. But the story, it was. It was good. Read it. It was actually worth reading. And yeah. I got caught up on Hawkeye. I read uh, issues three and four. Are you caught up mm-hmm. on Hawkeye? Yes, I am. Dude, it's so freaking awesome. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it is freaking awesome. I I love this guy now. Curse you. Curse you. <laughs> no, this is not Hawkeye. But no, it was. Oh, man. And the new thing with the tape. Yeah, because the the issue three was, you know what it is, too. It's like freaking Hawkeye is Jason Statham. That's why he's so awesome. You can see Dude, him. That issue three with the car chase. Yes. And, you know, the Russian mobsters. And oh, my God. That, that, it's that... crank is what it is. <laughs> but it's it's freaking fantastic. And uh, I love when he jumps across the bed and there's a Hawkeye over his crotch. <laughs> that, that that has been officially dubbed a Hawk block. It's <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> okay. Uh, but no, Fraction is doing a great job with the pacing, keeping it going. And this whole thing with the tape starting in issue four, tons of fun. Tons of fun. God, I love what he's doing with this series. So, yeah, awesome. And David Aja, it's it's almost not fair. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> I, I've been. And see, this is where you can go back again to, to people who say, man, you rag on some artists and I love them. It's so subjective because you can look at that art and think, well, really, it's not that great and it's not detailed and it's, you know, things like that. But, on a panel to panel basis, I'd but, agree. <laughs> yeah. But then when you're, but again, it's subjective and I love it. And the, actually four was uh, Pulido, Javier Pulido. I didn't even notice it was a different artist. I did. I had to go back and check, though, to see. But they picked, obviously, artists that, so, that are so mm-hmm. close in styles that it's very hard to tell. Which is what we've said all along that they should be doing for so many series. Because yeah. it's less jarring. Oh, but it's, oh, it's so good. See, it's a lot like when we're, when we're talking about Flash, too. It's not just the actual art of the issue. It's the flow. It's the yep. panel layout. It's all the fun tricks they pull to draw your eye where they want it to and really draw attention to certain things. And that is an absolute lost art in comics. And Hawkeye is one of the ones that's doing it right. Yeah, very good. Okay, one last one, and then I am done. <laughs> Shut up, dude. One last one. Because one you know more what? We Yeah, really. We've been talking about all the, the mainstream ones, so... How about one that's uh, an independent one? Um, did you read Retrowires? I know. That's the one with Justin Gray and Jimmy Palmiotti. And it's the one that was started with the Kickstarter. 
Okay. And it is it is long. You're looking at like damn near 75 pages kind of thing. Wow. It's very long, huge story. Um, strong woman character as the lead intel- intelligent woman. Of course, she's got to be dropped at gorgeous, but um, and it's this virus thing going on with the Anathols, and and it's nothing we haven't seen already kind of thing. It's a Jurassic Park but with Neanderthals instead. So it's it's very much a story that we've seen before. It's not bad, really. It's 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 enjoyable enjoyable, but again, it's it's not original. So go into it with that. The only thing that bothered me same as always, you know. You got these these you like she's like mad at them and everything cuz they're spying on her cuz she's essentially held captive in this pharmaceutical um, science lab kind of thing and they're spying on her all the time even her living quarters and she's like throwing a brush at the camera and mad on very next page pretty much stripping in front of the camera talking nighty night pillow talk with the guy behind the camera next friggin page no kind of like oh this is like four weeks later and she's gotten used to being watched all the time no two weeks later she's pissed off she's throwing a brush same freaking day <laughs> she's taking the towel off and she's cool it was just so gratuitous and it bothered me. Um, so yeah, no, it, it's, I mean, it's, I encourage people to check it out, but it's because especially it's an independent kind of project that they worked on. Um, it's a very, again, it's a long story. It's very graphic at points. Um, nothing that we haven't seen, but I mean, it's not bad. All right. So are you sure you're good? I got more. Don't, don't tempt me. <laughs> you're the, you're the one that edits this stuff. Oh, no, so. no, let's keep going. <laughs> All right. So for today's, well, by the time you listen to it today, whatever, this week's new you gotta release. you got to stop saying, pretend like it's Wednesday. I, I can't. My, I'm barely able to pretend it's Tuesday. <laughs> for Marvel, oh, man, we've got all new X-Men number three, Amazing Spider-Man number 699. Oh, oh Scott, <laughs> you're yeah. on the chopping block, buddy. <laughs> Better be good. <laughs> Avengers number one by Hickman. Avenging Spider-Man number 15, which has really slipped off lately, but this one actually kind of looks okay to me. (laughs) Who's in it? It's co-starring Devil Dinosaur. Oh, is that the second part? Yeah, that's the second part to the one that they did last month. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't didn't even know it was the second part. Yeah, I read the first part. How was it? Uh, Okay, then. All right, we have Daredevil End of Days, number three, Deadpool, number three, Hawkeye, number five, Iron Man, number three, Punisher Warzone, number two. I'd almost forgotten about that. (laughs) Red She-Hulk, number 60, the new Thunderbolts, number one, Ultimates, 18.1, and X-Factor, number 248. I've been reading that uh, Red She-Hulk as well. I got caught up on the last few of those. It's not bad, actually. I, I've been loving the entire Red Hulk ever since Jeff Parker took over. Par- right. yeah, Parker's been killing it on that for quite a while now. Uh, from DC, we've got Animal Man, Detective Comics, and Swamp Thing number 15, as well as issue 7 for Earth 2. And from everybody else, Boom Studios brings us Hypernaturals number 6. Dark Horse brings us a new Hellboy, Hellboy in Hell number 1, which uh, actually sees Mike Mignola coming back to do the primary art on the character he's created for what looks to be a very big story for, you know, an iconic character there. Uh, Dynamite gives us Voltron year 1 number 6. And from Image, we have Cyberforce number 2. Guarding the Globe, number four, and Invincible, number 98. Lots of cool stuff going on there. Expensive week. <laughs> when is it not these days? 
So thank you for listening, everybody. As always, you can find us at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CBinformer. And we haven't mentioned it in a while, but you can even email us, either Vince or Roger at comicbookinformer.com. Let us know what you think. Let us know if we should check out something that maybe we're not reading. We'd be glad to give just about anything a try. Not My Little Pony. (laughs) Not going to happen, Dark. (laughs) But again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.